Marie host of the Building Abundant Success Series, our primetime mastermind that promotes empowered focus, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Tonight, our spotlight is on empowerment, excellence, and gratitude with the breakthrough specialist, Lisa Nichols. She is founder of Motivating the Masses and CEO of Motivating the Teen Spirit. And her transformational workshops have impacted the lives of 220,000 teens and over a million adults. Her book, No Matter What, hit six bestseller lists, including the New York Times list, in the first 37 days of its being released and is already being sold in 20 languages abroad. She has been coined the breakthrough specialist by her peers in the industry. The self-development phenomenon, The Secret, catapulted her popularity across the globe, and since then she's appeared on Oprah, Extra, Larry King, and on the NBC Emmy Award-winning show, Starting Over. Lisa has been honored with many awards in recognition for her empowering work, which include humanitarian awards from South Africa, the Ambassador of Goodwill Award, Emotional Literacy Award, and Legoland's Foundation Heart of Learning Award, among many others. You're going to enjoy this interview. Lisa Nichols, welcome to Building Abundant Success. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Sabrina. I'm happy to be here. I am so happy to have you being uh, on our series of women entrepreneurs. To tell us, uh, an audience, a little bit about your background, where you're from, and what brought you to the point of uh, your success. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that question. Well, um, you know, I'm from Los Angeles, and I really come from a background of uh, some would say, you know, the little engine that could, you know, always kind of two steps behind trying to figure it all out. <laughs> um, you know, not a background of privilege, not a background of, of a lot of excelling ex, um, excelling in different areas as, as it really was learning how to survive being average and ordinary and in some cases feeling like I was disappeared. Uh, I came up with motivating the team spirit because so many um so many times in my teen life, I felt like I just needed some direction. And the company, my company, Motivating the Teen Spirit, actually has, as of June of 2008, has tested lives of over 250,000 teens. Wow, that's and, wonderful. Yeah, worldwide. And so we're really pleased by that. But um, really, you know, I'm that, I'm that kid that, you know, you really didn't see in school. I was very popular cheerleader, track runner, but when it came to academic excellence, that wasn't my strength. And uh, I was that girl that smiled all the time, um, but I was hiding tears. Wow. You know, I'm that girl that um, all my friends wanted to be like, but they didn't really know what it was like to be me. Yeah, hey, I can relate, about, relate to yeah. that. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, people ask, how did I come into uh, the, mo- the motivational industry? And I said, I always say, I, I came into this industry because I needed to find something to save my own life. And I, uh, in finding the, the tools that I needed to be inspired myself, uh, I turned into what my grandmother would call the wounded healer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to find my passion, which was inspiring, encouraging, uh, and healing other people. And then I was able to turn my passion into, a pro- into profit as an entrepreneur. You mentioned in your growing up, you know, you're being popular, and uh, people didn't really know what it was like to be you. Can you name a couple of your key pains that people just didn't see you going through as you smiled through that particular, you know, area of pain? Yeah, um, 
you know, I, I was captain of the track team, captain of the cheerleading squad, uh, editor of yearbook, and then student council. So when it came to um, being able to draw people's energy and enroll people, that was really powerful. So people saw me for that. But what they didn't know that I was, um, I also dealt with the challenge of um, living inside, you know, uh, full on lips, round hips, mocha skin, and kinky hair, and not having anything or anyone uh, that looked like me considered beautiful. Anyone that was dark with kinky hair and full lips, they weren't really, um, uh, you know, portrayed as being beautiful. So I took that on. Uh, also, you know, um, you know, living in South Central Los Angeles between between the Harlem Crip 30s and the Rolling 60s, you know, um, having three flights a week to get home from school on average, and just um, having being riddled with fear all the time. Uh, can I fight them and beat them off of me, or can I outrun them? Um, you know, all the conversation that comes with that community. So then, you know, even inside my home and inside school just sort of not comfortable in my skin, not comfortable in what, you know, my dad said I was beautiful, my mom said I was beautiful, but it seemed like there was no one else agreeing with that conversation, and so I took it on. You know, I tried out for the Charlie's Angels and and the Bionic Woman in fifth grade, and I think that was a pivotal point for me, that when I won every single event in the competition, but they chose uh, three, four of the girls, three to be the Charlie's Angels and one to be the Bionic Woman, and when I asked, why would you not choose me? They said, what hero do you know that looks like you? You know, there's no heroes that, that are black. And try again next year if you look more like them. And I, I think I really took that to heart, Sabrina. I just kind of went, oh, wow, there's no one that's beautiful that looks like me. There's no one that's, there's no heroes that, that you know, come in my skin. And so uh, for the next, I'd say, 12 years, I just searched, I searched, I searched. And I went through pockets of anger, pockets of depression, pockets of confusion, you know, pockets of uh, searching for my own beauty in the arms of men and relationships. I mean, all these uh, doors I, I went through trying to find the room called self-love, trying to call the room called, you know, self-esteem. So, you know, the journey, I tell some people, you know, I appreciate arriving at, at myself, but the journey to get here was long, tedious, and full of a lot of uh, peaks and valleys. Wow. You know, speaking as a, a lady of color myself, I understand, <laughs> you know, the stereotypes and what is acceptable and whatnot. I was wondering, in your journey there, were there any people in that circumference outside your family in school that you did glean some sort of strength from? Because after all, you were captain of, captain. Was there any, any, were there any peers, any, anything there? that you gleaned anything from? Um, you know, my my family was a strong source of strength, even though I couldn't tell them everything I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother, you know, I watched my grandmother with six children as a single mother, and I watched her embrace her once. So I, 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 people always ask me, who inspired you? And I, I tell people I'm an eclectic piece of work. I would pick up any piece of inspiration from anyone. I remember looking at television one day and saying, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna live as happy as those people, and I was I was pointing to the Brady Bunch. Wow! And um, I remember just um, wanting to be connected, so I would emulate things that I saw on TV. I would ask my mom and my dad. You know, we didn't sit down at the same time and have dinner a lot, but I 
after I saw the Brady Bunch do it, I asked my mom, can I do it? And they were like, okay. And so I would literally pull things from different people. There wasn't one teacher that, you know, stuck with me or there wasn't one, um, you know, track coach or, you know, but I pulled little pieces from everyone that I could. Uh, the one thing I was clear on is from a very early age, I was hungry for something better. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it would taste like. I didn't quite know how to get there. But you know those people, and you sound like you're the same type of person, Sabrina, where you just have that burning in your belly where you get knocked down. And sometimes you don't pop back up. You don't run. You don't soar. You crawl for a minute. And then mm-hmm. you get up slowly, and then you walk really slow for a minute. And then you start walking faster. Then you power walk, and then you trot. And then you run, and you look up one day, and you're soaring. Mm-hmm. That was how it was for me, you know. I, I, I drank from anyone's well. Anyone, whether I knew them or not, I pulled possibility from the people off television, from the uh, from the, the 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 local store clerk. She she used to say, "Greater is he that is within than anybody that's in the world." I never understood what that woman was saying. I didn't understand <laughs> the word, but something yeah. about it said courage. Mm-hmm. Something about it said determination. And she'd say it, and all of a sudden I start repeating it, and I had no idea what she was saying. I she'd say, "Greater is he," and I say, "That is that is within." And then she said that anyone that's in the world, I didn't get it until I was 22 years old. That woman said that from the time I was 7 years old to the time I was 14. I didn't understand it. It wasn't until I was 22 that I understood what she was saying. But I picked it up and I put it in my pocket. And I said, later on, I might need this. And I promise you, Sabrina, I have a pocket full of nuggets. You know how little boys pick up things and put in their pockets? Mm-hmm. My pockets over the years are full of nuggets from strangers, friends, mentors, very popular people, and people that you'll never know. They've all added to who I am. Beautiful. I had um, seen one of your uh, videos, and you were talking about how people compromise their joy. They pretty much, you know, are in the negotiating stage, and they look to others for outside validation. How many years of that struggle did you go through, and can you give us a little bit of that and how you were able to use some of the knowledge you you got from over the years in pulling yourself in your no-matter-what quest? Mm. Gosh, Sabrina, so many years I looked for other people's um, validation of me. I looked for and cared more about other people's perception of me than I could care at that time about my own knowing about myself. I always say, you're tied up between, you're held hostage to caring more about other people's perception of you than you are committed to what you know about yourself. And so I didn't know. I I was still trying to discover Lisa. I was still trying to be what everyone thought I should be. Um, Because I didn't excel in school, you know, I, I wasn't the A student. I wasn't the B student. You know, I was barely the C student. You know, I was a C, C minus student. And so because I didn't excel, there was never a teacher that said, oh, my God, you're going to be a great writer when you grow up. Oh, you should really pursue this, the, the, the industry of whatever. I never got that. I was very unsure about myself when I graduated from high school. And so I found myself in my 20s, all of my 20s, really struggling, really. Now, I didn't look like I was struggling. I looked like I was a super achiever. I looked like I was a go-getter. I looked like I was a high producer, which I was all of that. I could do all of that. But my internal dialogue, my inter- you know, I always say the consultant in my head, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Some, days, some days it was a consultant in my head. 
Some days it was a committee in my head, and some days, Sabrina, it was the entire Verizon network in my head, you know, telling me who I wasn't and what I couldn't be and that I was a fraud. And so I constantly overcommitted, kept my plate way too full, trying to trying to impress people, trying to get people to um, see in me what I wasn't seeing in myself. I did that all the way in my 20s. And then, you know, you know, one day I just said, wait a minute. And, you know, they have these moments and times where things will occur. I found myself in a relationship that went sour. And I found myself in a relationship that was emotionally abusive and ultimately turned physically abusive. And I could not put the two and two together how a powerful, strong woman like me could end up in a relationship that was absolutely dishonoring who I was. And I looked at all the small compromises I had made, and it wasn't one big compromise. I didn't decide to to become engaged to an abuser. Little by little, I sold away who Lisa was, trying to satisfy someone else. Little by little, nugget by nugget, little piece by piece, I look up and there's an entire experience that wasn't me. And so um, at at the end of that horrific experience, life-threatening experience, I said, am I willing any longer to compromise who I know myself to be for who I think people might like? And the answer was no. And so that started the discovery, the journey to discover who is Lisa. If you look at me on the Internet and you look at my book and you read my book, and I always hear the same thing, and that's, my God, you have such a unique voice. Mm-hmm. You have such a unique style. You're so different from other speakers. Well, I never sought off to be different from other speakers. I never sought off to be, you know, unique in my own. I sought off to be, I sought to be me. The number one thing I hear these days, Sabrina, are, oh my God, you're like, you're like the next Oprah. And I always say, I will so fail you if you want me to be the next Oprah. But I can really be a really great Lisa anytime you're interested. And so, um, you know, that was my journey. My journey was, can I find Lisa? Can I discover Lisa? And then am I willing to share Lisa? And the answer was yes. You just hit on something. My next point, uh, you, you um, in your uh, uh, book, you're talking about questioning talents and greatness. Evidently, that greatness may have been there far earlier than you would have given yourself credit mm-hmm. for because you were on that quest. <laughs> Nobody gets to be a captain of anything on a cheerleading or, or even a school board committee if people don't see something there. Absolutely. And many times we don't see that. Uh, we're just wrapped up in our own, as you said, heads, minds, committees, you know, uh, you know, posses, whatever. Right. Uh, when you finally uh, stepped into that greatness, or just were, just say maybe you started seeing a little glimpse past the relationship, past, uh, you know, the early 20s, what was your next step then when you finally woke up? Um, I felt like I was thirsty in the Sahara Desert. All I could do was drink the information of possibility. Who can I become? Like every with every little scrape, I felt like I had this this mud over over my light, and I'd rub my right arm, and this little beam would shoot out. Wow! And I when I tell you, and you probably did the same thing unconsciously. I start scrubbing. I want to see what else is under there. It's, what else? Is, oh my God! The more I scrub, the more this light came out. But I got to tell you, there was a time where as I'm uncovering my gift, my talent, my passion. 
I stopped at one point. I, why? Because I was afraid of how much light was going to come out. Mm-hmm. The then I'd have to show up. Then I'd have to be seen. Then I'd have to. I'd have to um, stand the chance of being ostracized. See, I feel. I realize that one of the biggest things for me has always been to be accepted. Well, wow. like that's been major for me. And so as my light began to shine, my distinction began to come out. My my distinguishing characteristics began to show up. My, you know, elevation to the next level of God's assignment. Okay, all that scared me. Let's just be real clear. That wasn't all, that wasn't met with, oh, right, let's go. You know, a lot of it was met with, wow, look at this. Okay. And then there were times where there was trepidation. You know, I mean, my light shines brightly. Maybe no brighter than anyone else, but for me it shines brightly. And even for me, I have to give myself permission. I, can't, I This is a key phrase I tell people, you give yourself permission. I had to give myself permission to not uh, attach my past to my future so tightly. Because I kept saying, now, how could I, how could I produce this in the world when I'm that woman? How could I... How can I live so ginormous when I used to live so small? How can I be a giant over here and a midget over there? You know, I mean, I was really inside of this this um, contextual conversation where I was comparing everything, and then I just heard this most delicious statement from Tony Robbins, and he said, your past does not in any form or fashion equal your future. And when I tell you, you don't have to give me the same lesson a hundred times. I pretty much get it. He hit me between the eyes. And I said, oh, okay, so cut. And I begin to cut across my belly. I begin to uh, use my fingers like this scissors and cut across my stomach. And I treated that cut like I was cutting an umbilical cord. Wow. That I don't deny my past. I needed that insecure young woman. I needed that... Um, I needed that angry teenager. I needed that woman who wanted to say, I needed all the phases of Lisa because that helps me coach and inspire other people now. It shows me that I can be, I can be in the journey with them. And so, however, I don't have to take out real estate. Most of us have an uncomfortable place and we take out real estate there. What I coach people in my coaching programs is how to change, how to move to a new mental zip code. Because when you move to a new mental zip code, everything in your life has to follow suit. And that's what I did. I literally had a mind shift. I, I literally began to design my mind, my mind of possibility. Who do you want to be? And, and it wasn't just wishful thinking. It was, and I'm always recreating myself, Sabrina. I'm always saying, okay, who can I become? I'm not interested in who I've been. I'm interested in who I can become. And so that moment of breakthrough for me was, can I be a, a torch of possibility? Can I speak to what's being created, not what's being avoided? That was my very first step. Wow. 